Mesech HaSukkah of the Mishnayos concludes with the 8th Mishnah, with Mishnah Ches of the 5th chapter of Perak Hay, uh, with the following description. Chalios Yom Echad Lahafsik Bain Time. So we discussed previously what happens if Yantif ends on Friday or begins on Sunday. So the Mishmaros uh, that are there for Yantif are stuck. What happens if there's one day in between? So Yantif concludes on Thursday or begins on Monday. So the Mishmaros aren't stuck, but many of them would arrive early or stay late. Mishmar Shizmano Kavua, the Mishmar that needs to be there for that Shabbos because it's their job, it's their shift. They would take 10 of the 12 breads. And all of those that remained around or came early, they would get two loaves of bread. And what happens on a regular Shabbos, not near or attached to any Yantif? That it would attach to any Yantif. Those uh, that were entering the new Mishmar that was coming, uh, which would be after Mosaf on Shabbos, uh, would take six, and those leaving would take six. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, no, those entering would take seven, and those on the way out would take five. Um, and his understanding is because the ones coming in are about to do a greater amount of work, the ones leaving um, are have concluded their work. So next week, those who are who came in this week are going to be leaving next week. So every winds up with a grand total of 12 loaves of bread over the two Shabbosim that they're there. But, uh, but Rabbi Huda contends that uh, immediate satisfaction for the work that they're about to do is more uh, pressing or perhaps dignified. Hanichnasen cholkin betzafon, when the, uh, those that enter get their bread, whether it's six or whether it's seven, uh, they divide their bread in the tzafon. What's the tzafon? The tzafon is where the kadshe kadshim, uh, sacrifices of a higher order would be offered. And therefore those entering would offer, would, would divide their bread there amongst their mishmar, uh, to signify that they're now involved, uh, in a higher level. They're on their way in to working in the base of Mikdash, and uh, those on the way out would, uh, still in the base of Mikdash, but would divide their bread in the southern part, which had a lesser amount of Kedusha, if you will, signifying that they were on their way out. It's, uh, you know, elevating those who are coming in and slowly lowering those who are coming out. Bilga, the Olam Cholak is Bedarim. So who's Bilga? Bilga is the name of the Mishmaros. All 24 of the Mishmaros had, uh, had names. Uh, that uh, that they were called, and Bilga was one of them. Uh, we'll f- learn about Bilga now. Bilga liolim cholekas bedarum. Bilga always had to eat in the south, the place of lesser kedusha, whether or not they were coming or going. Betabasa kavua and the rings that were used either to help skin the animal or to help sacrifice the animals. Uh, each mishmar had their own that was used. Theirs permanently attached to the base of Mikdash could not be used. It was as though it was retired, uh, set aside and uh, unused, and they were forced to borrow from other Mishmaros. Vichalona Sistuma and their closet, which either kept the rest of their utensils, their tools, or their special big day kahuna, um, was also permanently locked. So what did Bilga do that was so uh, horrendous? So there was this uh, lady, Miriam Bas Bilga, so uh, a Bas Kohen of, uh, of the Bilga Mishmar, and um, she uh, went and took off with a Greek officer, a Syrian Greek officer, and uh, this was immediate prior to the case of the Maccabees, 
um, that uh, that uh, she was part of the chavra, she was part of the group that uh, that took over the base of Mikdash, and uh, and she helped to defile the base of Mikdash, and um, uh, she she almost taunted, if you will, or mocked certainly the base of Mikdash. Perhaps one could argue a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and uh, because such a thing happened uh, within the tribe of uh, Bilga, within the Mishmar of Bilga, so Bilga was permanently uh, punished. That's interpretation number one. Interpretation number two is that no, Bilga happened to have the laziness gene. However, you would describe that they didn't they didn't uh, perform their uh, their duties of the base of Mikdash with alacrity. It wasn't done uh, with careful enough attention. So this was sort of as a punishment to remind them that uh, that uh, that if they don't treat the base of Mikdash with the appropriate accord and respect, so therefore they're going to have a harder time doing that which they need to do. That concludes. Uh, the Mishnayos of Sukkah. Hello, this is Rabbi Ilan Haber, and we're now starting with Mesechet Beitza. Mesechet Beitza, otherwise known as Mesechet Yom Tov, have to do with the halachot that are specific or pertain specifically to issues of Yom Tov. We know that Yom Tov differs significantly from Shabbos in the sense that different types of malachot that have to do with um, ochel nefesh, preparation of food, are permitted on Yom Tov as opposed to on Shabbos. The Masechet deals extensively with these types of malachot and talk about sort of when it's extended even beyond um, those malachot that have to do specifically for the preparation of food for the Yom Tov or, um, other t- or similar malachot in other types of circumstances. In addition, the Masechet deals uh, extensively with issues of muksa. Uh, what is permitted or not permitted with regard to moving objects or relating to objects, kalim on, on, on Yom Tov. And um, I guess by extension, um, it also deals with issues of muks on Shabbos as well, either because the same halachot apply or sometimes Yom Tov differs um, with regard to what is permitted or not permitted um, with regard to muksa than Shabbos. The Masechet begins, Beitza shenolda b'yom tov, if an egg was laid on Yom Tov, Beit Shammai omrim te'achel, Beit Shammai says you can eat the egg, Beit Tilo omrim lo te'achel, and Beit Tilo says you can't eat the egg. Now, it's not so clear from the Mishnah as you first look at it, what is the sort of the circumstances or context of why Beit Tilo and Beit Shammai are arguing. So the Gemara goes through this at length, and it describes a case where, first of all, we have a chicken um, that's set aside specifically for the purposes of eating as opposed to a chicken that's set aside for the purposes of uh, laying eggs. Um, if a chicken that's set aside for the purposes of laying eggs lays eggs, then there's issue potentially of nolad. Um, but a chicken that's set aside for the purposes of eating, um, so we know that, um, that that chicken is already essentially mutter um, because it was set aside for use on the Yom Tov itself. And any, either the chicken or anything coming out of the chicken, the egg being sort of part of the chicken um, coming into Yom Tov, um, is considered um, a mutter. The problem is with regard to what happens when you have Shabbos that comes before Yom Tov. So if Yom Tov is essentially, let's say, a Sunday, and you have Shabbos the day before, um, so the egg is essentially finished with inside the chicken uh, before uh, the day before the, it comes out. It's the day before it's laid on Sunday. So the question is, if something is prepared, you're not supposed to prepare from Shabbos going into Yom Tov or from Yom Tov going to Shabbos, um, that essentially everything has to be prepared from the days of Chol going into Yom Tov or Shabbos. Um, so, if some, so if the egg is essentially a prepared item coming from Shabbos into Yom Tov, Beitilo thinks that it's something that you should not be able to eat. Beitilo, um, basically the Chachamim um, 
using uh, this idea of Beit Hillel, um, not only forbids it specifically in the case of Shabbos going into Yom Tov, um, but because they're worried that people would be mistaken um, and wouldn't necessarily know the difference between the case of Shabbos going into Yom Tov or regular days of going into Yom Tov. So then these types of eggs are forbidden even in a case where it's not Shabbos preceding Yom Tov. Beit Shammai argues and says that you can eat the egg. Either he's arguing uh, with Beit Hillel in the sense that saying that um, he doesn't feel that there's an issue of hachana here at all, um, or he says that um, you don't sort of extend um, the iser of the egg of, of a case of Shabbos going into Yom Tov to a case where it's not Shabbos going into Yom Tov. Um, one would notice that actually in this particular case, it's one of those rare circumstances where Beit Shammai is ma- more makel than Beit Hillel because Beit Hillel is here saying that the egg is Asr and Beit, is, Beit Shammai is saying the egg is Mutter. Um, so the Mishnah actually continues citing another case having to do with Yom Tov, even though it's not directly um, dealing with the same subject matter as the previous case because this case also we have a case where Beit Shammai is being makel and Beit Hillel is being uh, Machmir. The, the Mishnah continues, Beit Shammai Omrim Su'or B'Kazayit V'Chameitz B'Kotevet. Beit Shammai says that um, the, the sheer, the amount that requires, you know, we'll explain in a second what exactly the, the specifics of the case are, um, but the sheer of, of Su'or, Su'or is a leavening agent um, that's, that's also Asr um, to be eaten or um, to have in one's possession, on Pesach, that the shear of that is an is the size of a kotevet, which is an olive. Um, and Beitilo says that um, that that both Saor and chametz itself um, is um, is a kazayit. Sorry, just to recap, Saor bekazayit. The according to Beit Shammai, um, the amount of le- the leavening agents, the 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 is an olive. And the chametz is the size of a date. Uh, but Beitilo says that both su'ur and chametz are a kazayat. The Gemara explains that the, um, what, are, what is Beit Shammai Beitilo arguing about? So the Gemara says that both the Beit Shammai would agree with Beitilo that with regard to the iser of achila of eating chametz, both eating chametz and eating su'ur, um, the she'ir would be kazayit. The Beit Shammai would agree with Beit Hillel. However, the the machloket, the argument in the Mishnah is what happens in a case of um, you're not supposed to. Not only you're not allowed to have, you're not allowed to eat chametz, but you're not allowed to have it in your possession as well. So, with regard to having it in your possession and requiring a or requiring essentially the destruction of the object, how much is required before that sort of comes into play? So Beit Shammai says that with regard to Su'or, we have a difference between Su'or and Chametz. That Su'or, that um, in order for Su'or to be to require destruction and not to be over on Bayura Bayamatse, not having it in your possession, this the shear is a kazai, it's an aleph. But Chametz, the shear is a size of a date, which is larger um, than the size of an aleph. Beitilo says that even with regard to Bayura Bayamatse, even with regard to not having it in your possession and requiring destruction of the object, Zeva Zeva Kazayat, that both of them require the size of a Kazayat.